Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Reflect Forward. I'm your host, Carrie Siggins. I hope you're having a fantastic day today. My guest today is a good friend of mine, Mr. Jimmy Peck. He is the general manager at MPW Industrial Services, who comes from my industry. He's also the president of the board for the WJTA, the Water Jet Technology Association, which I also sit on. And Jimmy is just an awesome human being. He has such a humble leadership philosophy. And I just thought it would be really fun for you all to hear a whole different type of perspective on leadership coming from something that's near and dear to my heart, the industrial cleaning industry. You're just going to love Jimmy. Everybody loves Jimmy. He's, he's funny. He's humble. He started in the field at MPW as a management trainee and worked his way up before he joined MPW. He was an attorney, worked for the Ohio Attorney General's office. And we talk a little bit about what he learned in uh, law school and becoming a lawyer that helped him be able to run MPW's largest division that has thousands of employees in it. So I will be right back with Jimmy and uh, hang tight. All right. I'm back, everybody, with the one and only, literally the one and only, Mr. Jimmy Peck. Jimmy, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Carrie, thank you for having me. I want to jump into like who you are, because uh, before you got into this crazy world of industrial cleaning, you were a lawyer. So tell us about what that was like and how you made the transition into the business world. Well, uh, yeah, interesting. And I, I could probably take up your whole podcast with with that answer a little bit, but I was familiar with MPW and uh, because I think, you know, uh, I, I had kind of grown up around the family that, that owns MPW, the, the founder of MPW. And so always familiar with that and uh, in love with MPW and the business, been around it uh, younger and did go to law school, did work for the attorney general's office, the attorney general of Ohio and came to came to mpw and really found out i wasn't a good lawyer so i had to find something else to do no actually um <laughs> when i started at mpw i the the idea was to start a legal department so i had approached mr black the 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 owner of mpw and said don't have a legal department start one and his response was good idea he said we will do that but you need to spend a couple of years learning the business first. So I uh, spent a couple of years with a red hat, traveling the country, end of a hose, automotive industry, refineries, power plants, paper mills, steel mills, had a blast and eventually got some management positions. A few years into my career with MPW, we actually did start a legal department and actually did find out that I was not cut out for a, a life of being a lawyer. It's, it's a little too, uh, too monotonous for me. So I did end up gravitating back towards the business and that's kind of how I ended up there. That's great. And so what did law school, getting a law degree do to help you set, to help set you up for being able to do what you do now? That is a great question. I, I, I tell a lot of people when they ask about, I'm sure you've heard people say, I'm thinking about going to law school. I, I say, do it. If you can, if you can, afford it, get into it, got the time to do it, do it. Because I do think the biggest benefit of going to law school, as much of a pain in the butt as it is, the biggest benefit is you 
you really are trained to listen to other ideas besides your own, to, to, to validate other people's ideas. There's multiple sides to a story. There's, there's, uh, you, you lose a little bit of that digging your heels in the ground and, and understanding where, where people are coming from. Well, I think that's really important because good lawyers are always trying to find a good common ground, right? Mm -hmm. It isn't always about just going in and winning completely. Good lawyers know like, hey, there's, you know, all sides to this. And yes, we need to present our side. But, you know, how do we make this work for everybody? And at least the lawyers that I, the best lawyers who have worked with in my experience, I think that's just so important. Very true. Yeah. Uh, one of the one of my the attorneys that I really respected at the o- Ohio Attorney General's office, first thing he did when we walked in the door was go and and befriend opposing counsel, and you know, hey, let's go to lunch after this, and and I always thought, man, this is your this is your sworn enemy, you know, but but that's you're you're exactly right. The best attorneys and really the best leaders are solution oriented. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's something to learn from that in business. I actually interviewed on this podcast, the Colorado attorney general, uh, Phil Weiser, and uh, he awesome, awesome guy. And he, we talked about how diplomatic really attorneys are. And so, yeah, you might be in the courtroom going head to head, but afterwards you go out and grab a beer and it's just work and Mm -hmm. you leave that behind. And Boy, I thought there's a lot that competitors could learn about this. And sure. yes, that's great. You can compete head to head when it comes to customer service or your products or your innovation, your yeah. strategy. But it doesn't mean that you can't go and have a beer and also just respect that you're good at your each of you are good at your crafts. And so yeah. I, I really appreciated that about the. I don't know, the philosophy that a lot of lawyers have. And I try to take that into into how I do business too. So I'm sure that has an impact on you as well. It does, yeah. Treat others the way you want to be treated ultimately. I mean, it kind of comes back to that. Yeah, agreed. All right, so you run an industrial cleaning company. It's the craziest business. Uh, I know it well. (laughs) A lot of my audience won't. Uh, So maybe talk a little bit about what you do and what challenges you face running a service company that goes in and cleans some of the dirtiest things in the world? Yep. So I've been with MPW for uh, going on 20 years now, and uh, it's been awesome. It is challenging, hazardous, all the above, but very rewarding. Every day has challenges and every day has rewards. And um, I, I do manage one of the business units at MPW. That is the business unit that that uh, really employs most of the people in industry in our business. And, uh, so it's, it's kind of the people business, automotive, pulp and paper, steel, power generation challenge wise, you know, there's lots of things that can be challenging, but I'd say the things, the thing that keeps me up the most at night and keeps all of us up is just taking a few thousand people and knowing that everybody has a little bit of a different appetite for risk and what that can mean for themselves, for the company, for their coworkers behind the wheel or on a job site or whatever. And so I guess you could kind of call it safety, but it's really more than that. It's just the idea that whether it's financial or safety or whatever, there's there's lots of people out there who have different appetites for risk and and 
that could put themselves or others or the company in, in harm's way. So we try to put processes in place. You know, the, some of the ways we manage that behind the wheel is we, we just installed dash cams in all of our vehicles, which has been freaking awesome. Starting with mine and uh, Jared Black, the guy I work for, um, we were we were a couple of the first ones to put it in because that's Jared's philosophy. If we're going to ask people to do something, let's start at the top. And and uh, it's had huge impact on behavior behind the wheel. You know, no more distracted driving, no more um, speeding, no more rolling stops, no more following too close, no more uh, lots of things. So, you know, we try to put systems in place to help resolve a lot of that. And, and uh, some of those come from... Uh, some of those systems that we use to keep people out of harm's way come from uh, great suppliers like the one that you work for too. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it is. Um, it is so challenging managing that risk appetite. You know, we're on a different side of the business on the on the manufacturing side, uh, but we're constantly out there testing tools and trying to make sure that we're always putting ourselves in our customer's shoes. And we have people here who are like, oh, I'm not going to get her. I've been doing this for 30 years. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not going to get a water jet cut. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, until you do. Yeah. And then you've not just hurt yourself, but you've put, you know, so much more at risk. And I, and right. you do see that you do some people fee see people who are very much rule followers and those who don't. Mm -hmm. So putting those things into place that help keep people, I don't know, in the right lanes, I think is really an important yep. aspect of this. It's really of helping people be, it's really helping people have integrity. Like I said, whether it's financial or behind the wheel or on a job site, what can, what systems can we put in place to help hold each other accountable for that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that's great. All right. So let's talk a little bit about leadership. So you started out as a lawyer, pitched coming to MPW to start a law department, went out in the field and worked and figured out how to be a leader along the way. Sure. So it's a pretty cool story. Um, so how, what is your leadership philosophy and how has it changed as you've been on this journey for the last 20 years? It's changed a lot. And I would say change, definition of change being it has become clearer, the philosophy that you embrace. I think as you go through your life or through your career, the philosophy of leadership that you embrace or gravitate toward probably didn't change a whole lot, but it's become, you've gained clarity in that philosophy. And personally, I would say that the DNA of my mentor, the owner of MPW, the, my, my dad and myself has been the philosophy of servant leadership. The idea, and, and I, know, I didn't always articulate it that way, but it's the idea that I'm not in a leadership position to see the company thrive. I'm in a leadership position to see our people thrive. And when that happens, the company does too. So it's really kind of, it's, it's relatively simple. My dad, before he passed away, you talk about telling stories. My dad passed away in 2011 and I had gone down to see him right before he passed away in Lancaster, not too far from here, Lancaster, Ohio. And um, Starbucks at the time was doing quotes on the side of their coffee cups. I don't know if you ever remember that, mm -hmm. but they used to have these. I actually brought a 
but they had these these quotes and it said the way i see it at the top and they had different numbers but he just randomly gave me this i i have no idea why but he cut it off of the side of the cup this was the side of a cup and it and it says the greatest leader is a servant don't be a boss be a real leader a servant leader a servant leader is a winner even when he loses everything even when he loses his life a servant leader wins it all that quote was from pat williams of the orlando magic but i get a little emotional talking about that one because it was really really described my dad and describes the dna of my environment every day and really my leadership philosophy love to see people thrive and what can we do to make that happen no that's a great story and thanks for for sharing that jimmy and i agree with you i think that whole focus on people it means what stone age is all about too you know if we focus on the employee experience and creating a really great place to work where people feel engaged and and successful and have opportunities that's going to translate to customer success and i think a lot of companies a lot of leaders forget about that they think it's all about you know the the financial performance or personal performance and mm -hmm. and it's so about the team and you know I, I as i was thinking about asking you that question about you know how has it changed it kind of hit me um my leadership style has changed dramatically over the years. Um, as you well know, I'm a very intense driven person. Uh, and I didn't always realize like how that intensity would show up and make other people feel. I thought everybody just experienced it the way that I was, which didn't feel that intense, right? It was mm -hmm. just me being me. And so I had a really tough piece of feedback that was given to me a couple of years ago. Um, that described my leadership style as intense and maybe a little erratic where I thought I was being disruptive and it really stung, but I took something, a, a lot of truth from that because one, I don't want to ever be considered that, but I really started to pay attention to like, how is my intensity and drive showing up? And I said, I never want to be like, I never want to be called that. I never want people to experience me that way. So I'm going to be cool, calm and collected. And it doesn't matter what happens, it's gonna be unflappable. And um, and so it's been really interesting to to see how that's been, you know, how how much it's changed the way that people respond to me and how much I'm able to put other people first when I'm not so focused on making sure that, you know, my way is happening and that we're driving things forward the way I wanna see. And mm -hmm. so servant leadership has really come into that. And my whole spin on that is, cool, calm, and collected. And how do I make sure that people experience me in that way so that they feel supported and that they can grow and they can thrive, not just drive, 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 drive all the time. Yeah. And I, I would add to this, these great leadership philosophies, whatever it is, it's not going to be perfect. We're going to no. blow up occasionally. I, I don't, I don't know about you. I do a little bit. But we're going to blow up occasionally. We're not going to be cool, calm, and collected. We're not going to be a servant. We're going to be uh, uh, something on the other end of the spectrum. Um, and I think the biggest thing is noticing that. And I know you've talked about this before. But the biggest thing is identifying it and fixing it as soon as you can. Because we will screw up. We're not going to always be these, you know, servant leader. That's... I. You know, there's there's times, probably more times than we care to admit that we're not. Yep. But recognizing it, fixing it, and which which is relatively easy as long as you do it. 
Yeah. Have that self-awareness. And it's that, I think it goes back to that accountability piece, right? How do you have that self-accountability and the team accountability? And if you own it, then people are going to give you more grace in it. Right. And so you're right. When you screw up, if you've built that trust, because you do show up as a people first kind of leader mm-hmm. in those bad moments, everybody's going to understand like, okay, yeah, Hey, that was, that was a bad yeah. moment, but I still trust Jimmy or I still trust mm-hmm. Carrie. And it does, it gives you more grace to be able to, I don't know, deal with the ups and downs of messiness of life. So right. I think it's a right point. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So people are your biggest asset being in the service business. Um, how do you celebrate people? Um, and I know this is something near and dear to you and, and I always watch, love watching you do it. So, you know, share a little bit about what you, what you do. Well, I mean, I, I don't even know if there's a clear cut answer to like, Hey, there's the thing celebrating people there's social media i i'm I'm not the biggest social media person in the world but i i do participate in the linkedin world and so that's awesome that's actually a really good place to celebrate people but i think the biggest thing is somebody told me one time that the right way to spell love is t-i-m-e spending time with people so at the end of the day when we do get a chance to go somewhere, spend time with somebody, make sure you're fully engaged in that. And, and cause that's really going to mean the most people than, you know, some service award or, or whatever, you know, and that could be lunch. That could be anything. It's something that we struggle with, honestly, especially when you get to a, an organization of any magnitude, it can be hard to get everybody to buy in on that. Like, Hey, when's the last time we had the grill out here on site at this job site and just fixed hot dogs for everybody you know you get caught up in things and so it is a constant reminder to make sure that we are celebrating our people celebrating the the wins you know i part of being in this competitive industry and i know you know this is we don't take a whole lot of time to pat ourselves on the back for a win we're moving on to the next thing and and so that part of that aggressive leadership style that you have or that that a lot of us have can almost forget to celebrate the wins. And those are the biggest things that people love to, to, to hear about. Yeah. Nope. You're totally right. And I think it's that stuff that happens in the moment, mm-hmm. right? When you uh, are, are take the time to, to see what's going on, to notice, and then reach out and say, Hey, that was awesome. I just think yeah. that's so much more effective than people because people do. They just want they want leadership to see them mm-hmm. and to notice and to acknowledge. And you can't do that if you're just constantly driving ahead and not paying attention to those little wins along the way. So yeah. I completely agree with you. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Well, I love watching you do it. I see you do it on LinkedIn. And I also, you know, see you do it in the industry where you just are so good at giving credit to people. So I think it's really one of your talents, one of your strengths, at least that I see. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. All right. How about losing your way? (laughs) Have you ever lost your way as a leader? And you know, if so, what did you do? What did you do to pull yourself back on track and what did you learn from it? Well, I'm geographically challenged. I'm losing my way all the time. (laughs) Uh, If it weren't for GPS, I would still be lost today, (laughs) but uh, yeah, lost, losing my way as a leader. uh, I mean, definitely situation all the time. I mean, let's just start with all the time. You know, um, one example I can think of is w- one of those moments where 
probably earlier on in my career, but one of those moments where I thought I was the smartest person in the room and kind of went out of my way to humiliate somebody who'd been in the business for a while and just disrespectful on my part. And Monty, the owner of MPW, founder of MPW, afterward was like, hey, you know, a good chance, come see me. So went in and and he was like, it's awesome that you have energy and intelligence. Uh, that'll take you part of the way. You know, you also have to have wisdom and experience. You don't have any of that. And the person that you just humiliated does. I really suggest that you spend more time getting close to people like that and picking their brain as opposed to alienating them. And it's one of those memories, you know, you talk about how, have you lost your way? I, I'd say if your answer is rarely, then I would say you're wrong. Cause I think we're, we always are in some way, shape or form getting back on track, I think means having a good mentor or a good support system or both that where you have somebody that you're, that you're willing to listen to that says, shouldn't have done that. That was not, that was not good. Get your head out of your ass. You mm -hmm. know, those are, I, I, I would say typically the way I find my way back out is somebody tells me your head's up your ass. <laughs> yeah. It's good to have those kinds of people who give you feedback yeah. like that. Yeah. Do you, do you think, so that's great that, that, that Monty, the founder of the company gave it to you. Do you feel like people on your team give you feedback? Like how do you make it really easy for them to tell you, Hey, Jimmy, get your head out of your ass. Yeah. That is a really good question too. I, 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 I feel like we all want to say, yes, we create that environment. I hope that's the case. I don't know, but I can think of one time we, we were just starting. This was, this was years ago, but we were in the process of kind of starting safety steering teams and and strategic safety steering teams you know that meet monthly with long-term goals and a couple in a row i had shown up like 15 minutes late too and when i walked in to the second or third one late there were a couple of the folks that reported to me that took a few minutes to say this isn't going to work if you don't care and it doesn't look like you do yeah. because you're not, you're not respecting the time. You're not. And, uh, I re I still remember I was actually standing up, leaning against a chair like this. I'm leaning against the back of a chair like this with my elbows. And I remember putting my head down, like, that is a really good point. So <laughs> I, I, I try to, I try to make that time sacred, or if I am going to miss or be late on something like that, you know, it's for a good reason. I communicate it and, and all that stuff. But, yeah. So to answer your question, I, I try to make sure we do, but that's, you know, you, you have to, you definitely have to go out of your way to create that type of environment and make it okay for people to do that. Yeah. I know that story reminds me of, I think this is one of the biggest mistakes I made. It was very early on. We sent a product over to Europe and got a call from our dealer saying, what did you do? Send me used equipment? No. And he sent me pictures and everything was like rusted. And uh, how did that happen? And I immediately went down to our shop and showed him the pictures and said, how could you guys do this? And I didn't ask any questions. I just basically, you know, I just basically transferred the customer's anger to me, to them. And they were like, we would never do that. And this is, you know, uh, they, no, this is not how we shipped it. It was brand new. 
And I told him, this is your guys' mistake and you need to fix it right now. This is going to cost us a ton of money. And I walked back up to my office and uh, one of our employees, he's been here for, for almost 30 years, um, not at the time, but now he came to me and he said, hey, KP, that was rough. <laughs> and those guys are really mad at you. You didn't have their back. There is no way they sent that to the customer and you forgot that they care just as much as you do, if not more. Mm-hmm. And immediately I knew that I just projected that customer's anger onto them and I felt so horrible and I had to go, you know, I went down immediately, apologized, but there were a couple of, of, of people on the team who, who were scared and who held on to that for a long time. It took me a long time to overcome that little bit of fear because of yeah. my overreaction and not yeah. trusting them, not seeking to understand and not believing them. Right. And man, that story, that piece of feedback right. has yeah. stuck with me for so long. I'm so glad he was brave enough to come in and, and tell me that, mm-hmm. but it took a long time to recover from it. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what was the rest of the story on that? had been sent here frame and had been sitting um, on a ship oh. in the port in Rotterdam for like a week. And so because it was just in a wooden crate, all of the seawater got, got yeah. yeah, basically um, corroded it. So we did send it brand new. It was just the fact that it sat there for a week in wood that it's why, and it looked really did look used, but that's what happened. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Yeah, it's part of that blowing up. And like you said, it sounds like you tried to fix it. But but I mean, part of part of even trying to fix it can take time. And people want to know that it's consistent, right? So if they're always scared that something's gonna like, oh, well, when is when is she gonna do that again? So it took a long time for me to share people that I wasn't gonna like, you know, fly off the handle on things. Um, so really big learning lesson for mm-hmm. me, but that consistency is something that people really come to expect. And when they're not sure how you're going to react to something, it creates fear. Yeah, it does. I I agree. Yeah. Understanding the the ripples of when you have those moments is is challenging. So and catching yourself before they happen, but that was years ago. We don't do that anymore. It doesn't happen at all anymore. Cool, calm and collected, baby. Cool, (laughs) calm and collected. I literally just like, I am like, I am Zen as much as I can. Yes. Rub your ears, (laughs) take some breaths. (laughs) All right. Well, I know you've got other things to head on to. So I've got two questions I want to ask you before I let you go. So the name of this podcast is reflect forward. What does reflect forward mean to you? It means Carrie Siggins. (laughs) First and foremost. Um, No, actually, there's a couple of things that come to mind. I, uh, the, the founder of MPW, Moni, I, I talk about him a lot. Um, he wouldn't like that, but one, one thing that makes me think about is he always, one of his lines is the rear view mirror is small for a reason. Stay focused on the windshield. And when he says that, that means whether it was, good or something you screwed up or something that was really good you know the rear view's mirror keep it in mind keep it in view remember it but stay focused on the windshield don't focus on on what's behind you um and i think that's great I, I, it's one of those things that's burned in my brain and i love that line and and so i think one thing when i think reflect forward is that quote and what it means to me is stay focused on on the futures you know reflect on where you're headed and um, the other thing I think about is the, the fact that 
you do have a rear view mirror there. So knowing where you came from can also help um, guide where you're headed and, and how you get there and uh, try to have as, as little mistakes or, or detours along the way as possible. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, your past absolutely shapes who you are. Uh, because all we are in this moment is a collection of every decision we've ever made, Amen. but it doesn't have to define who you are. Yeah. And, and I think that's a really beautiful thing about being human is yeah. that we have all of that ability to, to reflect and to say, okay, I am where I am right now, but I can, I can go forward and I can create almost anything I want yeah. if I put my mind to it. Yep. Um, yeah. that, that's great. All right. And finally, if you had one piece of advice to leaders who want to become exceptional at what they do, what would that be? I think exceptional, somebody who wants to become an exceptional leader. First of all, I, I think it would start by saying, I don't know if I am one. And in order to become an exceptional leader, don't ever think that you are. I, 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 and so all that falls under the banner of humility to me. It's the idea. It's, it's genuine. It can't be something that you're, it can't be something that you're making up and saying, oh, look at me, the Mr. You know, or Mrs. Humility. It's, I think leadership has to be humble. Again, not perfect. You're not always going to be humble. You're going to be overly confident or um, an a-hole occasionally. But people have asked me sitting here in this room interviewing for a job, what are some things that you need to be successful at MPW? And my answer is, I mean, the main thing is just humility. Be open to coaching. Don't take stuff personally. Um, don't get too caught up in patting yourself on the back for something. Make sure you give credit to your team. All the things we talk about. But I think all of it could probably fall under the banner of just embracing a life of humility, you know, as much as you can. Yeah, I love that. Great answer. All right. And how can people find you personally and how can they find MPW? Not like personally, like like show up at your office, but like on LinkedIn. No, they can. <laughs> I saw the look on your Come face. On Are people coming to my office? <laughs> They're here now. <laughs> um, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Jimmy Peck, MPW. You can also uh, go to MPW's website mpwservices.com. Wonderful. All right. Well, I'll include all that in the show notes. Jimmy, um, it's always such a pleasure to visit with you. Thank you awesome. for sharing your uh, your thoughts and, and vision on leadership. It's uh, it's so refreshing. It just comes from definitely from a place of humility and passion. And uh, it's always fun to, to, to chat with you. Well, Carrie, I think it's cool that you started this podcast too. And it's a, it's a good venue for, for people to log on and and uh, get some ideas, hear from different uh, perspectives, and hear from different people. And and I know I've I've done that with this podcast. So very cool. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right, hang tight, everybody. I'll be right back. All right, everybody. I hope that you had fun learning a little bit more about the industry that I'm in and hearing from a really down to earth fantastic person. Jimmy is just amazing. All right. With that, I will leave you until next week where we have an advice from a CEO episode here on Reflect Forward. And if you like this podcast, please like it, write a review, rate it, share it. That always helps with the algorithms. Thanks so much. See you next week.